Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, y'all, I'm stoked about this message. <laughs> Woohoo! That little 20-second video clip isn't enough for you guys to get all unplugged and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I need a longer one next time. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here. I want to take a moment just to talk about this praying in the spirit thing, because some people think, well, that is like just super weird. Like, what just happened? And I understand. You guys, if, I'm the most practical guy probably you'll ever meet in your life. So if you think, well, it must just be Cade. He's a pretty crazy guy, isn't he? Well, no. Cade's closet is full of black shirts. I wear a black shirt every day. Like, that's the kind of guy that I am. So whenever I receive something like that from God, it takes me a minute to get over myself so that I can receive what God has for me. But man, the gift is so precious. The gift of praying in the Spirit. Man, and I told you guys a testimony, I think it was two weeks ago, how I had just this blaring headache, and I sensed in my spirit, just pray in the Spirit all the way home. So I drove home, I prayed in the Spirit for 10 minutes, and the headache was gone by the time I got home. And it was one of those headaches that normally sticks around all day, and you take some Tylenol, and it's still, it's still there, it's just kind of dull. Went away in 10 minutes, just by praying in the Spirit. So that's what praying in the Spirit is for. I don't know what was causing the headache, but the Spirit did. And he just said, hey, pray in the Spirit, you don't need to know. I'm just going to take care of it right now, all right? So that's what it's all about. Just wanted to explain that real quick, but welcome y'all to No Limits. So thankful you're here at church, the best place to be on a Sunday morning, amen. For those of you who are joining us online, thanks so much for being with us. Today, we're wrapping up our series called Choose Joy. And you know, I can tell that this series has actually worked because you all be coming in with some extra joy lately. It's good stuff. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help you know God find freedom, and discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. And it's a good plan. So I say it's good. But you don't get there overnight because you get hung up in your mind. It ain't God, it's you, just in case you didn't know that. But you also don't get there by yourself. You need some people to pull you out of the mud whenever you get stuck. And so that's why we get together every Sunday. That's why we get together throughout the week in our small groups. And the goal we're reaching for is found in Ephesians 3.20. Such a good scripture. It basically says that God wants to blow your mind with what he can accomplish through you when you just come together with a group of believers and allow him full control and say, God, do your thing. And he's going to blow your mind. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, take the limits off. Take them off. All right, let's wrap up our series called Choose Joy. We're going to look at our core scripture for this series one more time. Take a look. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 3. And it says that God wants to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In other words, God wants to take your ugly past and make it beautiful. That's what that first part means. God wants to take every area where you're depressed and just kind of bummed out and just pour joy all over it. And God wants to give you a praise for the spirit of heaviness so you can just live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? It's good stuff. And all of it's yours. God already said yes. Now he's just waiting for you to say yes. In other words, you got to choose it, right? You got to choose joy. I want you all to imagine that you're back in elementary school and you're in gym class and it's time to pick your basketball team. You guys remember that where all the kids line up and, and you get to pick your team? Only this time the kids have some really strange names. Like you have joy over here and then you have depression. I mean, who names their kid depression? And then you have praise over here and you got heaviness. You got worry and you got prayer. You got freedom and you got regret. 
And all this time, you've been building your team in life with depression and worry and regret. And you've been making those choices and bringing them into your life. But through this series, God has given you another chance to build your team again. He lined them all back up for you. And you're going to have to make the right choice this time. But your neighbor might have a problem choosing the right thing. So go ahead and look at him and say, you probably want to choose joy. Probably do. In part one of this series, we examined the life of the Apostle Paul, and we found out that we will never be equipped to choose joy if we don't choose to pray first. Y'all remember that? Sorry, my phone went off, and it distracted me. Somebody's at my front door, y'all. All right, so you got to choose to pray first. We all got to develop a lifestyle of prayer if we want to experience joy. You won't experience joy without prayer, all right? You got to have it. And the reason it works like this is simple. Prayer draws you closer to God. It doesn't draw him closer to you. It draws you closer to God. And I don't think I have to convince you that you need to be close to God to experience lasting joy. And then in part two, I explained how choosing joy is a life-changing choice. It doesn't just change your life, but it multiplies your ability to make a difference in the lives of others. I mean, I want you to just think of that person in your life that they're still choosing joy, even when their circumstances suck. Like they have a pretty sucky life and they're choosing joy and it just inspires you. You're like, what, what is with this person? You can be that person in other people's life, and that's what choosing joy does. And then last week in part three, I talked about the sacrifice that y'all are going to have to make to experience joy. It's strange to link joy and sacrifice together, but then at the same time, it kind of makes sense. We've got to take our feelings to the altar, kill them with vengeance, and choose to praise God regardless of what's going on in our lives. That's why the Bible calls praise a sacrifice, because you ain't always going to feel like it, but you should praise God anyway. Did anybody get that chance this morning to practice that? You don't got to raise your hand. Every week during this series, I've given you one choice you need to make to experience lasting joy in your life. So let me just recap really quick. Here's the three choices. Choose prayer, choose purpose, choose praise. And to wrap up this series today, I'm going to have to break away from my words that start with the letter P. And this is going to hurt some of y'all because you just need this last one to start with a P and it's not going to, but we're going to make it through this message anyway. And to give you time to work through it, I'm going to tell you a story first. All right. So just relax. So I got out of bed early this morning when it was still dark because I wanted something. I wanted quite a few things, actually. I wanted to spend time with God before these three creatures of infinite energy awoke and demanded to be fed. I'm talking about my kids. I wanted to practice this message so that I could honor God in my delivery and so that I could deliver it in a way that changes your life. I wanted to make sure I could eat breakfast and get dressed without feeling rushed because rushing through things just usually doesn't result in anything good. And my point is I woke up with all kinds of desires and it was the desires in my heart that got me out of my warm bed this morning because it was pretty cold before the sun had even come up. Desire is a great motivator, isn't it? It's kind of like a spark plug to an engine. It gets you started, and it keeps you going. But when desire gets out of control, we're in trouble. Because desire is one of those things that's never, ever satisfied. There's always more desire. And you know you've lost control of desire when you start singing that song, I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, it's a good song, huh? Or is it? (laughs) What would it take to feel satisfied, though, y'all? Well, that's easy. Everything. We would have to eat at every restaurant, travel to every country, own a mansion on every exotic island, experience success in every business endeavor. The problem is, even if we had access to unlimited funds, time, 
Time still has a way of getting in the way, right? It keeps us from doing that. And the point is, desire is infinite. It has no limit. It's never satisfied. But you, you have limits. You have to sleep at night, right? You will never know everything. You'll never know everything. Even with Google, you're never going to know everything. We can only have so many friends. We can only eat so much food. We have limits. So here we are living with chronically unsatisfied desires. No matter how much we see, do, buy, sell, eat, drink, we're never satisfied. We always want more. So the question is, as followers of Jesus, what do we do with this restlessness? What are we, go- what are we supposed to do? Well, first, I think we need to realize that this infinite desire actually came from God. Like he created us that way. We were created to live with God side by side in a world that gave us everything that we needed and nothing that we didn't need. That's what we were created for. So our only hope in this is to put our desire back on God and then put everything else back in its right place beneath God, right? Elevate God. We, we tend to keep coming back to that, right? Elevate God. Desire will only be satisfied by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all of your needs. Nothing in life apart from God can satisfy our desires. But here we are, caught in this rat race, trying to satisfy them with vacations and jobs and cars and sex and this and that. And we keep doing it even though it never works. Maybe it'll work this time, y'all. Let's try it again. Repeat. Trying to satisfy our desires with what the world has to offer will always lead to restlessness. You're never going to feel rested. We live, in, we live our lives in a hurry, and we bow down to the gods of busyness and materialism and careerism. And in other words, we, we live a life void of joy because we chose to. We chose not to live in joy. And the question is, is there a practice from Jesus to help us overcome this nonsense? Like, did Jesus teach us something that would help us overcome restlessness so that we can live our lives from a place of rest and peace Enjoy, did he? Well, of course he did, because everything that Jesus teaches us leads us to an abundant life. Yet there's one practice of Jesus that most American Christians ignore. And it's probably the most life-giving practice that he ever taught us. What are we talking about? The Sabbath. This is kind of a churchy word, and it's become so unpopular that you, some people have probably never heard it before. So let me explain it to you. It actually comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop. So we can define it this way. Sabbath is a day to stop. Stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, just stop. Now you know why our modern culture has kind of scrubbed this word out of our dictionary. We don't stop. We go, 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 go. We work every day. We're going to accomplish something. We hustle. We're American. We hustle. We get the job done. And some would even argue, the devil never takes a day off, so why should I? Well, the last time I checked, he lost. And why would you want to copy anything that he's doing? For real, y'all. The real issue here is it takes quite a bit of discipline to follow this life-giving practice that we call Sabbath. It takes discipline. It will never happen automatically. You have to prepare for it, and you're going to have to say no to a list of good things to say yes to the best. It's good stuff. I love how an Old Testament scholar explains it. He says, people who keep Sabbath live all seven days differently. So that's your warning. Sabbath doesn't just mess with one day in your week. It messes with all of them. But in a good way. It actually redefines your life from one of hurry, striving, and hustle to one of rest, peace, and joy. And it's hard to wrap our minds around this idea of stopping for an entire day 
every week. Like I could stop for an entire day, maybe here and there, maybe once a month. I mean, that sounds more realistic, doesn't it? But every week, like that's kind of overwhelming to think about, isn't it? So to help you renew your minds today and get your thoughts lined up with the Word of God instead of with what culture is teaching you, I'm going to give you three reasons that we should all keep Sabbath every week. Say every week. Uh, Don't cheat. Every week. Here's the first one. Jesus practiced Sabbath. Jesus, the Son of God. Y'all notice that he had limited time on the earth, 33 years to be exact, and he didn't even get to start his ministry until age 30. So that means he had three years to accomplish the whole reason that God sent him here to save mankind. Three years. If anybody had an excuse to skip Sabbath and work every day, it was Jesus. I think we would all agree on that. Yet, built into Jesus's life rhythm was a core practice. An entire day, every week, he stopped and he took a Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, we actually read a story of Jesus enjoying Sabbath. He was walking through this field with his disciples, and they were kind of picking grain off and and munching on it, having a little snack, just having a good time. Then here come the Pharisees, the religious elite, and they were just griping at him because they were harvesting on the Sabbath. The problem here was the religious people had lost the whole purpose of Sabbath. They lost the heart of Sabbath. It was all about rules and regulations and and all this stuff. But of course, Jesus corrected them because he... If you want to see Jesus be a little harsh and a little mean, just go look at how he talked to the Pharisees. It's really a good time. But here's what he said this time. He said, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. So back then, the Jewish people were so serious about Sabbath that they lost the purpose of Sabbath. Although they were following all the rules, they were not experiencing rest because they had it backwards. We have a different problem today, though. We don't even have that problem. We just don't even consider Sabbath as a thing. Most Christians don't even know what it is exactly. And if somebody does practice Sabbath, they're kind of weird. Beth and I started practicing Sabbath at the beginning of this year. Some of y'all probably thought, y'all are kind of weird. All right, that's okay. I can take that. We don't look at our phones the entire day. Oh, that's so good. We don't have a schedule. We don't have an agenda. We just wake up, relax, and go with the flow. And it's a good time. The first few weeks, though, the people that I work with would call me on Sabbath. I didn't look at my phone on Sabbath. So I'd call them back the next day whenever I saw that they had called. And I would explain why there was a day delay. And they would be like, the first time, they'd just be like, really? Like, you're going to take a whole day every week and not look at your phone? What if you have an emergency? And I'd say, yeah, really, that's what I'm going to do. And you should try it sometime because it's life-giving. So here we are in a culture that doesn't understand Sabbath, and it's easy to see the results of it. We're exhausted, we're overworked, and we're spiritually malnourished because of it. We're slaves to this unsustainable rhythm of our success-obsessed culture. God knew we would struggle with this, so he gave us a gift, the Sabbath. We're not talking about following rules and regulations today. We're talking about receiving a gift that God gave us. And that's what it took for me to actually start practicing Sabbath, because I thought it was a rules and regulations thing. We've been redeemed from that by the blood of Jesus, you know, and I just go on and on. And then I finally clicked to me, this is a gift that God gave me, and I'm rejecting the gift. So here's the second reason that we should all practice Sabbath every week, and that's because God created Sabbath for me. He gave it to me as a gift. 
You know, the story in the Bible in Genesis, it starts in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, right? And after six days of hard work creating the entire universe, here's what happened next. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Did y'all catch that? God rested. Yeah, but I'm not really into that Sabbath thing. I'm an extrovert, so I have plenty of pent-up energy on the inside of me to just go ahead and plow through all seven days. Uh... God rested. Hmm. Yeah, but I have, I have a demanding job, and I actually love my job, so I just really don't have time for Sabbath right now, so I'll do it later when... Yeah, but God rested. Yeah. yeah, but I have three little kids at home, so Sabbath is just really not a reality for me in this season of my life, so maybe later when... Do I need to tell you again? God rested. And in doing so, he created a rhythm for all of humanity. Here's the rhythm. Work for six days, rest for one. Work for six days, rest for one. And when we fight this rhythm, which was set in motion by God himself, we go against the grain of the universe that God created. And when you go against the grain, you get splinters. So no wonder so many of you are fussy because you got so many splinters. And study after study has shown that there is no correlation between hurry and productivity. Actually, they found that productivity plummets after you work a certain amount of hours each week. Anybody want to guess how many hours that is? 50. Ironically, about the length of a six-day work week. One study even found that those who logged 70 hours in one week versus those who logged 55 hours, they accomplished the same thing. So those people worked 15 more hours in the week and didn't get any further in their work. Bummer, huh? Work for six days, rest for one. This is God's rhythm for our life. It wasn't just someone's idea. Like, I didn't just come up with this, y'all, this week. This this was God's idea from the beginning of time. So if you fight it, I just want y'all to know today that you're fighting God. You're not fighting me, all right, if you choose to fight it. And there's many reasons why we should all practice Sabbath. First of all, Jesus practiced Sabbath. Secondly, God gave it as a gift to you. And here's the next one. Sabbath is life-giving. We just read how God rested on the seventh day. Now I want to read the very next verse after that. It says, And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So two things to note here. First, Sabbath is blessed. And when God created the world, he blessed three different things. First, he blessed the animal kingdom. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And then he blessed humanity. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Beth and I are taking that one to heart. And then God blessed the Sabbath. Wait, so God blessed animals, he blessed humans, and then he blessed a day? What does this mean? Well, it means that Sabbath, just like animals and humans, has the life-giving capacity to procreate, to multiply itself, to fill up the world with more life. Good stuff. In 2014, a doctor completed a study to determine why this group of Christians, they call themselves Seventh-day Adventists, why did they seem like the happiest people on the earth? And you probably already figured out by their name that they are serious about the Sabbath, Seventh-day Adventists. And the doctor noted that on average, this group of Christians lives 10 years longer than the average American. If you do the math, you find that if you Sabbath every week, it adds up to... Wait for it. 
10 years over a lifetime. So when I say that Sabbath is life-giving, it's not just a theory. Like, it literally elongates your life. So I want you all to just imagine right now 10 more blessed, fruitful years with your grandkids at the end of your life because you practice Sabbath. It's good stuff. So first, Sabbath is blessed. And secondly, it says it's holy. I'm confused on this one, too. How could a day be considered holy? How weird is that? This is one of those times where you need to dig into that word holy in the, in the original language to figure out what does that word mean here. So I did that for you. And here's the word. It's kodash. And it means to prepare, dedicate, be holy, be separate. So remember when I told you all that Sabbath won't find its way into your life by accident? You got to prepare for it. You got to dedicate yourself to it. You have to separate it from all the other six days of the week. It has to be different. Aha! Light bulb's starting to come on, right? That's why he made it holy. Sabbath is blessed and it's holy. It's a rhythm. It was set in motion by God. Work for six, rest for one. Work for six, rest for one. And when we tap into this rhythm, we experience the abundant life that Jesus has already given us. But when we fight this rhythm by ignoring it, making excuses, looking for ways to get out of it, you just reap the consequences. You're welcome to do that. You guys can have the consequences if you want. I choose the blessing. And I hope you do too. And up until this year, Sabbath wasn't even in my vocabulary, though. I'd heard the word several times before, but my thought was, you know, that, that's an Old Testament thing, something I don't even need to pay attention to, something I don't need to care about. But then God brought it to my attention at the beginning of this year when I was reading a book that just found me by accident. I say accident. The Holy Spirit put this book in front of me called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And when I read the book, the purpose of Sabbath just kind of gripped my heart. So much that I just like reached up to heaven, I grabbed Sabbath, and I pulled it back down into my life, and I said, I'm going to have this because this is for me, and my prayer is that the same thing happens for you today, that this Sabbath just grips your heart in a way that you just reach up into heaven, grab it down, and bring it into your life. It's hard to express in words how much joy and peace that I have now in my life just because I chose to practice Sabbath, and it's so simple. My life today looks way different than it did before Sabbath. Beth can come up here and testify if you want her to. I'm at ease. I didn't used to be at ease. I used to be a little wound up. I trust God. I'm not rushed in my time with God. I'm not rushed in my time with my family. I'm not even rushed at work. Like, it's just ease. I, walk through, I now walk through this life instead of running through it. Anybody? Anybody running? And it's all because of Sabbath. So I really pray today that Sabbath grips your heart in a way that you can't ignore it. Some of y'all, you know, sometimes you hear these messages and you just ignore it and walk away unchanged, but not today. Let it change your life. To ignore it is to deny one of the very first gifts that God gave you. He gave you this gift. And I don't know about you, but I want all the promises of God in my life. I want them all. I want them all. He gave them to me. So let me end today by making this practical for you. I'd hate to convince you to practice Sabbath without showing you what a Sabbath day actually looks like. So... Let me make sure that we're all clear on this. This very first one is probably the most important here. Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. Oh, this is going to mess some of y'all up because you are totally going to go home and cheat on this and call your day off a Sabbath. So what's the difference? Well, a well-known Presbyterian pastor had a great name for a day off. He called it a bastard Sabbath. The illegitimate child of the seventh day in Western culture. I don't know if it's a cuss word whenever you say it in context, but anyway, I just said it. (laughs) Beth is up here like, 
Makes a point though, babe. Yep. So on a day off, you don't work for your employer, but you still work. You do all the things that you don't get paid for, like catch up at the house and take the kids to practice and do all that stuff. And it's great to have what we call a day off because you do need to get caught up on some things at home. But your day off is not your Sabbath. Look at your neighbor and say, your day off is not your Sabbath. Because on Sabbath, you only do two things. Sabbath is rest and worship. And as you incorporate this into your life, y'all are going to (laughs) struggle. You won't be on the struggle bus for a minute. But you can figure it out by running every activity through a simple filter. Is this rest and worship? Is it rest and worship? If the answer is no, or kind of, or um, just hold off. There are six other days of the week for all of that. What's the hurry, right? To give you an example, I'll have to just tell them myself. For the past few weeks, Beth and I have been going to look at houses on Sabbath. And whenever I was preparing this part of my message this week, the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me and said, Hey, Cade, yeah? Is that rest and worship? Um, Yeah, I got a correction to make. I love how Dan Alander explains it in his book that he wrote about Sabbath. He said, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. When experienced as God intended, it's the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex. Anybody? Amen. Sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in all its fullness. Few people are willing to enter Sabbath, sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. Every week? I'm supposed to experience this? Sabbath is a full day of delight and joy, or at least it's supposed to be, unless you're categorizing your day off as Sabbath, and that's why it doesn't feel that way. We delight in the Lord through worship, and we experience joy through rest. Rest and worship, they're broad categories, right? That means that your Sabbath is not going to look like my Sabbath, and that's okay. A Sabbath for a family with small kids is not going to look anything like a Sabbath for a retired couple. Y'all get that? It's going to be different. But remember the words of Jesus we read earlier. It's not about what we do on Sabbath. If you want to go out and pick grain and snack on it, okay, go for it. The important thing is setting aside a full day every week to do nothing except rest and worship. And this is so important to God that it made it into the Ten Commandments. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You know, there were only two commandments of the ten that God actually attached a why to the commandment, and this is one of them. Like, God didn't say, don't murder, and this is why it's bad. Don't steal, and let me tell you why that's not a good idea. Like, he didn't have to attach a why to those, but he did attach a why to this one. He said, for six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And you know, isn't it fascinating that the Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline that made it into the Ten Commandments? There is not a commandment for going to church. There's not a commandment for reading your Bible. There's not a commandment that tells you to pray. But there is a commandment that tells you to observe the Sabbath. Sabbath is the anchor discipline for the people of God. It really is. No wonder the American church is in such a mess. We don't know how to stop. We don't know how to rest. And therefore, we don't truly worship because we're always in a hurry, and you can't worship when you're in a hurry. I'm making this practical for you guys so you know how to start practicing Sabbath. First of all, Sabbath is different than day off. Secondly, Sabbath is rest and worship. And here's the next one. Sabbath is resistance. 
Interesting. Let's fast forward 40 years after Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. So much time has had passed that the Israelites needed a little refresher course. So Moses gave, him this, gave them the second edition of the Ten Commandments. We'd probably all need a refresher after 40 years too, so don't, don't think that they're any less than you are. Most everything remained the same in this second edition, but there was a subtle change in this one about Sabbath. Take a look. This is found in Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God had commanded you. Did you catch the difference? Earlier we read where he said, remember to observe the Sabbath. And then this time he just says, observe the Sabbath. Apparently at this point in time, they all knew about it. They just weren't doing it. So that was a minor tweak right there. But then Moses goes off the rails out this next part. Like he gives us a totally different reason why we should practice the Sabbath. He said, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to do Sabbath because God did Sabbath. Well, we all know that's still true. So why did Moses think that he had to give us another reason to practice Sabbath this time? Well, this was actually the first generation to live in freedom of the Israelites. Their parents were slaves to Egypt. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. And Egypt had this culture with an endless craving for more. Sound familiar? They had all kinds of stuff, and it was all built on the backs of slaves, the Israelite slaves. And actually, they had so much stuff that they had to build what was called store cities to store all their extra stuff. You know, slaves don't get a Sabbath. They don't even get a day off. They work all day, every day, until they die. They're not even seen as human. They're just kind of line items on a spreadsheet there to serve the, the wealthy and the powerful people. And you probably noticed that Egypt is really alive and well today. We just live in the thick of it. We're smack dab in the middle of this culture of more. I need more. And we lust for more food, more clothes, more devices, more square footage, more experiences. We, like Egypt, have so much stuff that we have to build store cities for our stuff. We just call them storage units. We just call them something different. Pharaoh would love the USA. He would. He'd be like, wow, this is awesome. And just like Egypt, we have a culture that is actually built on the oppression of the poor. We just found a way to do it guilt-free. We moved it all overseas where we can't see it. We can't touch it. We don't hear about it. The odds are your home is filled with stuff that they've created. T-shirts, shoes, the clock on your wall, the bananas on your counter. Like most of the stuff we have is produced by people overseas working seven days a week, 12 hours a day in terrible conditions. Uncomfortable to think about, isn't it? And what in the world does all this have to do with Sabbath? Cade has gone off the rails. He is definitely on a rabbit trail now. But Sabbath is an act of resistance against materialism. It's how we make sure that we don't get sucked back into slavery or even worse, become the slave masters ourselves. Sabbath is a way of saying, enough, enough. It's not that buying things is bad, but if we don't set up some boundaries, it just becomes this never-ending activity to bring things into our house that we don't even need. Built on the backs of slaves. That's why under the Old Testament, they weren't allowed to buy and sell on the Sabbath. And this wasn't so much as a rule as a life-giving practice, because it freed them from the twin gods of accomplishment and accumulation. 
I'm not saying that accomplishment is bad, but it should always come from a place of contentment. Accomplishment should always come from a place of contentment. You simply decide, I don't need another pair of shoes or a bigger paycheck or another day at the spa to be content. I choose to be content. The truth is, we all have more than enough in a material sense. What we need is more time to enjoy what God has already given us. Cue the Sabbath. Go enjoy what God has given you. Sabbath is how we keep the materialistic culture out of our homes. We just kind of take one day a week and we stick it to culture. We don't buy, we don't sell, we don't surf the web, we don't read the magazine, we don't pull up the house app and see what else we need for our house. Instead, we just enjoy ordinary life. We eat a meal with our friends, we have time with family, we take a walk in the park, enjoy an afternoon cup of coffee on the front porch. Or for people who really like coffee, you can pour that second pot for that day. But this quote really sums it up. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. So what will it be? Are you going to continue living an unfulfilling, hurried life like everybody else is? Or are you going to be that weirdo that takes what God says and actually apply it to your life? Beth and I have been faithfully practicing Sabbath for about eight months now, and we'll never go back. Nine times out of ten, Sabbath is the best day of the week. The other one time out of the ten is whenever our girls are just not having a good day. That is not a good Sabbath. But in the Bible, Sabbath was always on Saturday. But since we run our venue here as an event center on Saturdays, we have our Sabbath on Mondays because I can't have any ounce of work on Sabbath. None. Zero. I'm not taking one call for work. Zero. None. It's the day, and really, it's the day that I feel most connected with my family. It's the day I feel most connected with God. It's really the day that I feel most alive because I can just sit and think without that pressure of having to accomplish something and having to do something that day. It's the day that fills up my joy tank, fills me up. But boy, do I remember when we first started practicing Sabbath. Like the first month was pretty much a train wreck. We were on the struggle bus big time. I had like serious anxiety from not looking at my phone all day. Like, it was legit. Like, I could just feel it. Somebody needs me. Like, there's going to be an emergency. Like, I have to look at my phone. It was legit. And then I felt guilty for not accomplishing anything throughout that day. I have a to-do list that never ends. I love to accomplish things. Like, man, I just love to work. It's good stuff. But now that I'm practiced up, man, I just celebrate the fact that I don't have to look at my to-do list that day. I stick it to my to-do list and say, you can wait till tomorrow. For the first month, I was actually so tired, though, that I just kind of laid around all day. And that made me feel guilty because my kids wanted me to play with them. But the reason I was so tired is because of all my years neglecting the Sabbath. I had a little catching up to do. But here we are. Well, really just a few months in is all it took us. I began to kind of come alive, and we settled into our Sabbath flow. We get up without a plan. Sometimes we go to breakfast. Sometimes we cook breakfast. And then we'll go outside or go see the chickies at Atwoods or, you know, whatever. Sometimes we'll have a picnic or, or whatever, you know, whatever just happens for lunch. And then in the afternoon, everybody takes a nap, except for me. I don't, I don't really like to nap. So I go out and sit in the woods. In my, I have a zero gravity chair. I carry that out there with me, go sit in the woods and get this. For an hour and a half, I lay there and look up at the trees. <laughs> Not even kidding you. Every Sabbath. And Beth's like, what are you doing back there? Just looking at the trees. And it's awesome. So I wanted to tell you our story so that you can realize that this is going to take you all some time to get it down. It's going to take some time. Your first Sabbath is probably not going to be a good one. 
Your second Sabbath is probably not going to be a good one. You may wonder, am I ever going to get this? But if you stick it out, you're going to win with Sabbath, and you're going to be so thankful that you brought it into your life. So to begin, here's how you begin. You just set aside a day. You pick your day. Clear your schedule. Turn off your phone. Seriously, the most important thing in our culture, you need to turn off your phone. If anything, just call this a Sabbath from my phone. It's going to bring so much life to you. And then you just invite the Holy Spirit in and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to do this Sabbath thing because I need your help. And then what do you do? You rest and you worship, whatever that looks like for you. And here's the bottom line. Sabbath, y'all, is freedom. Free from the need to do more, get more, be more. Free from that demonic spirit of restlessness that enslaves our entire society. Free to experience contentment and to enjoy everything that God has given you. Are you ready to experience Sabbath? I hope you are. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help this message be planted deep in our hearts. We need this message to just kind of hit us and grow a deep harvest of joy and rest and peace. So can you all extend your faith for that today? Go ahead and close your eyes and just reach your hands out if you'd like. And Holy Spirit, we come to you today humbly, and we just thank you for your word. This is one of those things that, I, that you bring to my attention. I'm like, how did I miss that all my life? But I'm just so thankful that I know it now. You're so faithful, you never give up on us. You probably tried to tell me about Sabbath 10 years ago, and I didn't listen. <laughs> and I know how much joy you felt whenever I actually listened <laughs> back in January. So, Lord, we thank you for this gift of Sabbath. Man, you gave this to us so long ago. When you created the world, you gave us this gift of Sabbath. And we just reach up into heaven, we grab it, and we bring it down into our lives. And we say, thank you. Thank you. This isn't about following a rule or regulation or trying to to please you or trying to earn our way into heaven. It's none of that. We just want to receive a gift today. We received the gift of praying in the Holy Spirit earlier, praying in tongues. And right now, we receive the gift of Sabbath. So Holy Spirit, just plant this message deep into our hearts so that we don't forget it. Just let it arrest our souls in a way that we can't get away from it. And I know that you're going to help us because we're not going to get it perfect. You're even helping me adjust my Sabbath eight months later, and I'm sure it'll continue. But you're so, you're so easy. You're so, you're so kind in, in your corrections. And we welcome them. We thank you for instructing us because we know that everything you instruct us to do will bring life and joy and peace, all the good things into our life. So we receive that today. And God, I worship you. I honor you. I thank you. These gifts that you've given us are so great. I mean, we don't even come close to deserving them and, and, and you just pour them out on us. You go out of your way to make sure that we hear about them. God, you're so good. Lord, help us to understand the depth of your love through this message that the Sabbath thing comes from how much you love us. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. There may be somebody listening right now that you've not given your life to Jesus yet. You've maybe come to church here and there and you're just, you know, been checking it out, but there's something on the inside of you stirring and you're ready to commit your life to him. 
Well, every service, every time we give y'all that invitation to say yes to Jesus. It's not that you have to be here at church to say yes, but it's a great opportunity to do it. Don't let this moment pass you by if you're ready to say yes to Jesus. That's just something that takes place right in your heart. You say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Yes, Jesus, your way is the better way. Yes, Jesus, what you did on the cross was more than enough to erase my past and give me beauty for ashes. You want to take my ugly past, ugly past and make it beautiful, and I trust you that you can do that. It's not about what I do. It's about what you've done. That's how simple it is. You say, yes, Jesus, I receive all of that, and I walk with you, and I love you. So, Lord, we thank you for everybody who committed their life to Jesus. We know that every time somebody commits their life to Jesus, there's a big old party in heaven. So we thank you for the party that's going on right now. And Lord, we rest in you. Somebody has been struggling with worry, anxiety. And the Lord just wants to take that off you right now. Let him have it. There's plenty of things in this life to be worried about, to be anxious about. But the step you take is you take all those worries, anxieties up to Jesus and, and you just lay it at his feet and you say, okay, I trust you with this. And you never pick it up again. And you may have to do that every day. You may have to do that every hour. But every time that anxiety and worry tries to come on you, you lay it down at the feet of Jesus. You go to him in prayer and you say, Jesus, I give this to you. I don't want it. And I know this isn't from you, so take care of it. And he just crushes it. <laughs> so Lord, we thank you for freedom from worry and anxiety. I just speak protection over every person in this room. We don't have to worry about what man can do to us. We don't have to worry about the demonic spirits that are out there just going crazy right now because we, the, the one in us is greater than the one who's in the world. So we stand in confidence knowing that, God, you will protect us. We, we make you our refuge, our place of safety. And when we do that, your word says that no evil will conquer us. No evil will come near our dwelling. No plague, no sickness, none of that can overcome us because of the one who lives in us. But we have to place, place ourselves in that refuge. We have to place ourselves next to Jesus. And so that that's the choice that we make today. Lord, we, we just step right into your protection and we stay there and we rest in you. We're not worried. We're not anxious. We're just excited that you've called us to this battle that we're in right now and that we have already won. And then we're going to go forth with strength and courage and do what you've called us to do here in Owasso and all around the world. We accept the call, Lord, and we thank you for building us up as mighty warriors who are choosing joy. <laughs> You're so good. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give your neighbor a high five and say, choose joy. Choose joy. Well, if you gave your life to Jesus today, congratulations. The best choice you've made in your life. You need some peeps to help you along the, the journey that's ahead. And we want to be those people for you. We really do. We want to come up right next beside you and, and give you the tools that you need and, and uh, pray with you and do all that kind of stuff. So, but we can't help you if we don't know. So you got to tell us. And we set up an easy way for you to tell us. And you text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We'll reach back out to you and help you through those next steps. And hey, y'all. 
I, lo- I, t- I love to take a moment every week and just say thank you for your generosity. Seriously, that comes from my heart. Thank you for your generosity. I'm always blown away by what you guys do. As we continue to be faithful in our giving, we will always be equipped to do every good work that God has set for this church to do. It takes all of us. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of us all coming together. Not only that, but when you give, it opens the floodgates of heaven so that God's blessing can be poured out to you. I see this visual sometimes of people who just struggle with the giving thing. And like the blessing is there, like it's in heaven, but the gates are closed. And man, it's just piling up back there. And God's like, I'm trying to get this to you, trying to get this to you. And then they start giving and all of a sudden the gates open and all this stuff just kind of pours out in your life. So never give up on giving. Be faithful in your giving because it will produce a wonderful result. I can promise you that. I know from experience (laughs) and it's incredible. If you're ready to give today or you want to get, or if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope if you just raise your hand. Uh, you can give online anytime. And how you do that is you go to the browser on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever device you want to use. Type in nolimits.fyi. It's kind of like .com, so don't let that mess you up. You just type in .fyi instead. There'll be a little giving button there. You tap it, it'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.